y'all. My name is John Devine, and I am the host of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast, the show that educates on the three most important pillars of becoming a strong individual, our health, our wealth, and our authentic expression of self. Before we get started, I would like to personally thank you, yes, you, for investing your time with me today. And I ask that if you do find value in today's episode, that you do us both a favor and subscribe. All right, let's jump into it, y'all. Yo, 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 what is up, y'all? It's your boy, John Devine, and I am here to welcome you to our 10th episode of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. You heard me right. We are in the double digits of recording, so I want to start off by thanking each one of you listeners who have been with me for all 10 episodes supporting the show. I am so grateful for you guys, and I'm excited to let you know that we are just getting this thing started. So in today's episode, I interview my dear friend and executive director of the Dream Adaptive Sports Program in Whitefish, Montana, Miss Julie Tickle. Julie joined the Dream Team in January of 2017 in a program coordinating role and then was promoted to the executive director position in June of 2018. Julie grew up near Balmy Buffalo, New York as a four-season fresh air kid. She was a two-sport All-American collegiate athlete, earning a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in sports administration. Julie got her start in adaptive sports and recreation in Colorado, where she worked for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee for over five years. Some highlights of her tenure included supporting the 2010 Winter Paralympics in Vancouver and the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. Her free time is usually spent exploring the Rockies, where she fell in love with mountain life. Throughout her career path, Julie has always made a priority to volunteer and work with adaptive sports programs in her local area. And some of her certifications are Wilderness First Responder, PSIA Alpine Level 1, PSIA Adaptive Level 1, and AVY AVI Level 1. So, without further ado, the adaptive guru herself... Miss Julie Tickle. Good day, everyone. Hello. What is up, dude? I'm excited that we're here. I'm stoked to see you. Yeah. This is sweet. It is sweet, it, especially since how long we've known each other, five years now. And wow. I didn't know until I was writing this bio out that you... My therapist and me all started here in 2017. That was the year. It was the year, man. And now we're all still hanging out together. (laughs) Doing awesome things. So where were you coming from in 2017 that brought you to Dream? I was coming from most recently San Diego, Okay. um, but coming from an RV. My husband and I renovated an RV after his service in the military was over, and we were looking for our new home. Very nice. RV life. Yeah. Just not beach bumming. life, but yeah, we were traveling around to different work events um, in adaptive recreation, and those happened to be in some really cool spots. So um, we traveled around a bit, almost for a year, and decided that we needed a winter. 
and uh, Whitefish it was. Boom shakalaka. And that first year, I think, uh, was negative 20 that December in 16 when we moved here. Oh, yeah. It was a really cold winter, but it produced about 400 inches uh, up at the resort, so we were pretty stoked. Dream season. Move. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a dream season in many, many ways. Uh-huh. And then you said you were doing adaptive sports in San Diego. Who was that for? I was volunteering with um, ASRA, it's Adaptive Sports uh, San Diego, and just kind of filling the gap across the country, doing different contract roles with different military organizations um, in, in different capacities. Okay. And was Sam doing the same thing? He was, um, yeah, contracting with different organizations and then got a role with uh, the Semper Fi and America's Fund. Yep. So uh, you guys are both. Which is a big both. national nonprofit. Yep. Just adaptive sporting around the country. You got it. I actually was, my real job was working in the biotech industry for a couple of years, which is a fun fact. Um, okay. I dabbled in uh, in San Diego, but my heart was always in adaptive recreation. Nerd Julie. I know. Crazy. Okay. I did not know that about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We could go on. That might be a whole nother podcast of all the things. Okay. Yep. But if we take adaptive sports even further back, you were doing work with the Paralympic team, right? I was. So my my first, very first kind of adaptive rec and outdoor recreation experience with people with disabilities came from my father, actually. He was a special ed teacher and taught for 30 years. And I remember growing up, some of his uh, teacher colleagues would take um, their classes out for camping trips and fishing and hiking and just helping them experience nature um, as, as an extracurricular outside of school. So I remember growing up being exposed to that. And little did I know, many years later, going through my own sports career, finding out how important sports and recreation was in my life and wanting to turn that into work. Um, I got my master's in sport administration, knowing I wanted to work in the, the outdoor recreation sport industry. Um, and found my way to Colorado, working for U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee and U.S. Paralympic Committee. That's okay. That answers a ton of my questions that I had. I didn't know how you got Boom, involved. <laughs> nice to chat with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it because a lot of my stuff was like, number one, how did you get involved in adaptive mm -hmm. to begin with? Totally. Right. Yep. Um, and that explains it. That yeah. Is, my dad was a special ed teacher, so I was exposed to, um, you know, supporting folks with all different types of disabilities and really leveraging abilities and, and focusing on abilities uh, from when I was young. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then... Great way to grow up. How... All the way up to the Olympics, how... <laughs> right? How does that climb happen? Uh, you know, I dabbled in competitive sports dabbled, and dabbled all american yeah, to sport collegiate athlete yeah dabbled in some competitive <laughs> sports but you know you quickly realize where you stack up when you start to go to more regional and national events and i'm a tiny human um, and i was playing some <laughs> positions that required you know me to be a little bit bigger and and you know better and and just didn't stack up but uh shifted my focus to someday wanting to work for and support uh the u.s olympic and paralympic committee and uh got an internship out there in grad school in colorado and once i moved out there i i knew it was where i was meant to be and start my professional working career uh didn't actually know much about the paralympic committee 
Um, but by nature of my job and my work out there supporting the Olympic Training Center, um, very quickly saw all the Paralympic athletes coming through and training at the highest levels um, and saw that they were um, just as mu much part of the movement um, and, of course, deserving of all the support and resources and quickly found my, my calling in moving over to change my job and, and support fully the Paralympic movement. Wild. Okay. So then you did that for how many years? Five? Yeah, I was with the with the movement for about five years. Okay. And you went to two Olympic games, right? I did. Yeah. 2000 and... 2010 in Vancouver, Whistler for the Winter Games and then went to London for uh, the Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2012. Dude, how was the Olympics in person? Pretty wild. Um, but... You know, let me kind of uh, pop uh, maybe the bubble a little bit. You know, when you go and work, um, your your experience is quite a bit different than attending. Uh, okay. So yeah. what they do is essentially they take all your skill sets and and what you do in your day to day job with the Olympic and Paralympic movement, and then they they essentially create training sites and training centers over where the host is and and where the games are. Um, but then also you have sponsorship activation and, and, you know, all the different aspects of um, the, the big Olympic movement, you know, kind of transferring over to a different country. And so you often fill similar roles, but maybe a little bit different. Um, we go weeks ahead of time to set up whatever our jobs are um, and then kind of just jamming at work while all the games are happening, depending uh, on your role. So, yeah. you know, I, I won't lie, I definitely got to experience quite a bit of the games. I did get to go see some events. Um, one of my roles was working at a hospitality center, so actually where all the um, medal winners would come to celebrate with their family and friends and sponsors. So I bet the uh, energy it, in there was... It was pretty special to, to be part of the celebration um, after at least four years, probably a lifetime of work for these folks. Yeah. And so incredible experience, definitely um, something I'll remember for a long time. For sure. So then how do we go from there to San Diego? We go there um, because my husband was stationed in, oh. I was working in Colorado. We met and he was stationed in San Diego for his uh, Navy service. So, okay. Um, off to San you Diego. Know, yeah, off to San Diego. Twist my arm for a beach, you know, a beach <laughs> experience. Okay. Mountains to beach for a few years and, um, you know, ready for a little bit of a transition in life and working, you know, people work hard at, at the Olympics and Paralympics and um, I think I was just ready for a little bit of a, a shift to um, kind of what brought me more to grassroots. Okay, I love it. And then you guys come to Montana in 2017 in January. Did you find Dream immediately? Was Dream part of what pulled you here? Yeah, great question. We knew Dream existed when we were looking. Okay. Um, we were looking at a couple different winter spots uh, to spend our first winter on the road. And definitely one of the, the factors of moving to the Flathead Valley was that Dream existed, and we were hoping to volunteer as uh, ski or snowboard volunteers for that first winter. Um, but little did I know that a job uh, was posted, and uh, we fell in love with the area and I got convinced to apply for the job, and the rest is the rest is history. So first winter on the road became only winter on the road? Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. 
Whitefish and Dream just won. Yeah, I mean, it's a special place. It really is. We said that in the last episode. You guys hear me talk about it. Do not tell anyone if this podcast is the reason why you came here. I don't need hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Okay, so... 2017, you get here, you're volunteering. So that whole winter of 2017, January to March, were you just a volunteer? Were you? I was hired. I was in, uh, I think by the third week of January, I was hired as a program coordinator for Dream. Okay. uh, Coordinating all the logistics of lessons and outdoor experiences and volunteer um, coordination and things like that. So I was, I was in it. So was Dream only doing winter events then, or were you guys doing winter and summer? They were doing some summer. Um, they had dipped their toe into summer um, in 2009 with just a week-long water sports program out of Echo Lake, and they were just starting to get into a little bit of pedal sports, so pedal boarding and kayaking. Okay, cool. Um, so then you worked throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then those of you who know um, and have been listening, I moved out to the Flathead in um, – August of 2017, Brandon, my therapist, moved out here in like June or July of 2017, and I got paired with him. Um, and you know, he knew of me being just most of my PTSD being trust issues, community people, um, both from childhood and the military. And when I moved here, guys, I was beyond broke. Uh, A, I had just started a new business. I had moved from Bozeman to Kalispell. uh, And all of a sudden, I had a girlfriend and two kids. And I had no idea how much A, Kelly ate. (laughs) (laughs) And B, how much kids cost. (laughs) So all of a sudden, I'm like, winter is coming. My favorite spot to go in the whole state of Montana is Big Mountain for the real OGs, Whitefish Mountain Resort. Um, And Brandon goes, yeah, dude, I can get you free tickets. And I was like, what? And at the time, we're at the Vet Center, um, which, again, is basically a little community spot, um, mostly ran by veterans for veterans. Um, And there are some people in there that are not vets. Um, It is separate from the VA. if you go and get mental health help there, um, the VA does not have any access to your vet center records unless you release them. And so vets have a natural tendency to trust the vet centers more than the VA. Uh, that's how I ended up there. I was still mad at the VA and I wasn't VA service connected yet, but someone told me about this vet center. Um, and so that's how I started in the mental health, got connected with Brandon, Brandon knew I wanted to ski but didn't have the money and was like, yeah, there's this program called Dream Adaptive, and they do three weekends for veterans. Um, And he told me about this probably in November or December because the snow had started flying, and it came up in therapy. And then he gave me the application. I applied, and I went to the first weekend kind of skeptical but really showed up with my therapist. He was one of the on-site mental health uh, vets that were there to support the veteran team go skiing with us. So Brandon and I literally just partnered up and went snowboarding all day. And we had like a lunch stipend and 
they had a separate, we're not out in the lobby. They had a separate back room for just the vets so that you're not worried about the hustle and bustle of everyone else. Um, and so that's how I got connected with Dream five years ago is through the vet center as a disabled veteran looking for community. That's so awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. We, I didn't realize that we were learning things together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you are a vet, um, you know, one of the biggest reasons I moved to the Flathead Valley, and it's not just the Flathead Valley, there are vet centers everywhere. Um, but when I lived in Bozeman, we didn't have a vet center and here did. And Kelly was thinking about moving to Bozeman. And I was like, look, just off the research I've done, A, I like the Flathead Valley more than Bozeman, but B, there's way more veteran support in the Flathead Valley than there is in Bozeman. Um, and so that's why I came here. And as you guys heard from my chat with Brandon, moving here and getting support through the vet center and meeting Brandon changed my entire life. And then Brandon putting me in contact with places like Julie changed uh, my whole life because all of a sudden I, you guys know me, I am an adrenaline junkie, summer or winter, backcountry snowboarder, flip off the cliffs in the river. Like I'm always chasing that. And all of a sudden when you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you're new in town, you don't have the community, you don't have your friends to go snowboarding with, you don't really trust anyone. And someone gives you an outlet and says, everything's taken care of financially. There's going to be a group of like-minded people. There's going to be support. Go enjoy yourself. Um, at first, it sounds too good to believe. And so I'm sure a lot of people bail because of that. Um, but if you just look up in your community, like local support for veterans, you'll probably have a vet center and that vet center will probably be connected with some form of adaptive sports program. And yeah, guys, it's the way I got to still go outside and snowboard and have summer events with my family. Cause after that winter, Julie sent me an email and she was like, we've got summer programs. We even have a family day. And so me and my youngest daughter, Maya, who again is adrenaline junkie. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden we get to be out kayaking and wake surfing and boating and, and it doesn't cost us anything. So if you are a vet, you are looking for community. Maybe you're down on money. You're trying to see if there's still a way for you to go enjoy the outdoors. The answer is there is. If you're in the Flathead Valley, it's dream. If you're somewhere else, we're going to link some stuff in the show notes um, so that you can easily find adaptive sports programs in your area. But enough about my story. Um, I guess in 2018 then. Mm-hmm. You were promoted to the executive director. I was. Okay. Big girl job. That happened quick. <laughs> it did happen quick. <laughs> so then from 2018 to now we're about to walk into 2023, in this last four-year block, really, what has been the vision for what you've been trying to grow at Dream and where are we going currently? Oh, great question. Um, definitely... Um, dream is, like I said, near and dear to my heart. And you did a great job explaining, you know, the community that that we try to create at Dream for our participants, uh, for our volunteers, for anyone, for family members. You know, we, we really do try to make it as inclusive and welcoming as possible. But, you know, Dream coming into Dream, Dream's been in the Valley since 1985, which is pretty amazing. So a little little history lesson before we 
go to, you know, where we're headed. But Dream's been in the Valley since 85. Um, for those historical nuts out there, the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, was passed by Congress in 1990. Hard to believe. I mean, I know that that's a couple decades ago, but doesn't seem that long ago. Um, for people with disabilities to have rights and yeah, thirty-two be, years, yeah, be acknowledged uh, um, about equal access, and so actually, Dream uh, folks in the Flathead Valley who were founding Dream in '85 actually went to D.C. and lobbied for the ADA, which is super cool um, to know that um, our roots and our community truly believes in breaking down barriers. Uh, so that all folks can have access to the the beautiful spaces that surround us. So um, Dream's deeply rooted in the community. In 85, it started as an access kind of project where um, those board members were going around to local businesses and outdoor parks and, and just assessing what was accessible and then providing opportunities and options um, for those business owners or the, you know, the city parks and recreation departments, giving them ideas on how to make their spaces more accessible. And then fast forward a few years, um, we're entering our 34th year up at Whitefish Mountain Resort, um, Big Mountain, as, as partners to provide accessible um, lessons and opportunities in skiing and snowboarding. So, um, again, we've been around for a long time. Uh, so when I joined... Um, Dream was doing awesome, providing a ton of lessons and opportunities, starting to dip their toe into the summer um, activities. Um, but it kind of needed a facelift. And, you know, sometimes when someone new enters enters an organization or a community, um, I was able to bring with me what I've learned kind of traveling the country and working for um, higher-level adaptive sports organization um, and just breathe a little new life into it. Yeah. And so... Um, we grew up, Dream actually had only had a paid staff for um, maybe eight to ten years prior to me joining. So we were kind of in our infancy as, from a business perspective. Yeah. We were um, still very much trying to get our governance figured out from a board perspective and, and really elevating things like policies and procedures. And, and that's the, the foundation that, you know, we came in and um, the board and myself and just kind of breathed new life into the organization and made sure that we had a really firm foundation of supporters um, so that we could really focus on the quality and safety of our lessons moving forward. Um, so since then, we've really just taken a, a detailed look at all of our programs um, and made sure that the quality and the safety and everyone that came to us, whether it's a volunteer or a participant, just could feel that and could feel the hip, cool vibe, right? John, if you're showing up, you know, and we were able to retain you, um, <laughs> you know, we had to have some kind of hipness to it or, or, or stoke, right, to match your stoke. And, and so, um, you know, we just really built on what the awesome foundation that folks over the last couple of decades had, had built with Dream and, and brought it to where, um, elevated it to where, um, it should be and, and gives us a good springboard to, to move forward into big plans. Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a big believer in teacher. I teach all my salespeople, you know, a lot of salespeople get caught in this, uh, thing where they want everyone to buy from them all the time. Uh, and I just tell them, you know, people buy from people that they like and trust mm -hmm. sales is about energy and like, when I met you and, you know, you live the life, right? You live the stoke, you're mountain biking, two-sport athlete, travel the country, 
then I meet Sam and he's dropping into stuff in the back country with me. And I was like, yo, these dudes just want to shred with people. Like that's all they want to do. They want to make it accessible for vets and people with disabilities. And, but they're just out here ripping, bro. I was like, yeah, let's go. I yeah, can do this. Absolutely. You know, at dream, we want it to be a, a welcoming environment where we meet folks where they're at. So you, John walking through the door and getting to know you ahead of time, um, you know, we carefully pair our volunteer instructors. Um, we take a lot of time to get to know the volunteers and what their goals are and motivations, as well as the participants and athletes that, that come to us to benefit from our services. So there's a matchmaking process, and, you know, it doesn't always have to be that high level of stoke either. We understand that there's a lot of fear and anxiety, and if mm -hmm. a more calm um, and controlled environment and maybe less adrenaline is where we need to start. Um, you know, we, we totally focus in on that and, and make sure everyone feels, feels really good and energies match on that kind mm -hmm. of end of the spectrum as well. So, uh, yeah, it's really important to us. And that's important for me to, to highlight as well is, yeah, she's talking about, um, you know, making sure that everyone is paired properly, um, with, a volunteer with an instructor, um, whether it's a, a high level of anxiety, I've never done this before, I've never been in this area before, um, but for me, I get things really, really quick um, and or I already have it and I want to go have fun. And most of the time, like you're, if you're like me and you're running at that RPM, they want you to downshift and, you know, stay here with the pack. And, and so then it can detour people like me and be like, yeah, man, that's just not, it's not my style. It's not my speed, but on both ends of the spectrum, you go, yeah, I've got some people that you can work with too. You go do your thing. And then it makes it fun and enjoyable for me and fun and enjoyable for the person who's anxiety first time and fun for the people in the middle. Like you guys, like you said, tailor it to the actual individual so that you have an enjoyable experience. And I've seen it from the top down mm -hmm. right <laughs> even sam sometimes is like why are you pairing me with john <laughs> he takes I can't me keep up. <laughs> and i'm just like sam let's go <laughs> i think we need to swap out people at lunch because you're like we, the energizer bunny <laughs> dude i miss sam i want to go shredding with him again <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time but yeah you know we we're called dream adaptive recreation and the adaptive comes from, you know, we do have a bunch of adaptive equipment mm -hmm. that does really support folks with physical disabilities, but the adaptive also means adaptive teaching techniques. And, you know, that could be for someone with a learning disability or a cognitive disability, but it also just means that we're, we're adaptable. We want to know again, what your goals are, what your fears are, um, you know, what your experience is. Um, things like that, and we adapt to um, help support you and leverage, you know, the person's abilities. You know, we're all about abilities, mm -hmm. not focusing what what you can't do, what you that, can do, what you can do, or what you want to do. And you know, we say if someone can move their pinky, that pinky's going to be tired by the end of the <laughs> lesson because we're going to ask a lot of you uh, to move that that pinky. So um, the I adaptive really um, is broad. It, it sometimes feels like it's it's kind of closing in on oh what is adaptive it must mean adaptive equipment but really you know i'd like people to look at it as like this broadening of what our services are for veterans you know to participate with dream you don't have to have a va rated disability 
you know, you do have to list that you have something going on because our, our mission does support people with disabilities yeah. um, and permanent disabilities, not necessarily, oh, I tore my ACL and I'm bummed up for a winter season, you know, mm -hmm. that does stink, but we're more focused on supporting people with permanent disabilities, but that could be, I have PTS, you know, that could be an invisible disability. It could be high levels of anxiety that really, mm -hmm. um, preclude you from really engaging in other capacities with the outdoor recreation community. So we like to think of adaptive as just a really broad way to support folks getting outdoors. And I love that we're on that. So what we're actually breaking down here, guys, is, um, yeah, who is Dream? Um, who is Julie? Who do they support? But really, um, the, the point of today's episode is to educate and the best way to um, educate is just break down really the what, why, how of adaptive sports, right? Because even when I got involved with Dream, I was seeing it from this literally curated inside circle of vets. And yeah, there's, you know, vets that, you know, might have uh, an amputated leg. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're on special adaptive equipment. Um, but again, we're all vets. We all know what everyone has gone through and we're all busting each other's chops. <laughs> um, but then one day I ski by and I see somebody who's not with our group, who's got a dream vest, who's with a sit ski. And I was like, oh, this isn't like just a veterans thing. What else is it? Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess what in big, broad terms, and then we'll go from there. What is adaptive sports? Right. So, you know, our mission at Dream is to enhance people's lives through outdoor recreation, um, outdoor adaptive, inclusive recreation. So adaptive sports could take on a, a lot of different um, forms. For Dream, we serve individuals ages five. I say five to 105, and then I always say, well, get someone to say, well, I know someone who's 106, and I'm like, bring them out. <laughs> um, but we serve individuals ages five and up with any type of disability. Again, it's a permanent disability, but it could be, you know, someone with low vision, limited hearing, um, someone who's deaf. Um, people with physical impairments like amputations, spinal cord injuries, someone who's had a stroke. Um, we have all the adaptive equipment to support people um, in a physical sense. And then um, also people with cognitive disabilities, learning disabilities, um, anxiety, kind of learning challenges. Um, and then, yeah, any type of visible or invisible um, wounds as well. Um, military veterans, like I said, um, it's, it's really broad um, as far as if we feel like you as uh, someone could benefit from adaptive teaching or adaptive equipment, um, we provide that service. So we, we provide skiing and snowboarding um, opportunities in the winter at Whitefish Mountain Resort. We provide Nordic uh, cross-country ski. Oh, yeah. uh, you did that. Yeah. You and one of your, your kiddos, yeah. right, came yeah. out. Uh, we right now operate at Whitefish Lake Golf Course yep. with Glacier Nordic Club. Um, so those are our winter activities right now. And then in the summer, we do mountain biking, um, two-wheeled and three-wheeled adaptive mountain biking. Uh, we also run paddle sports, so paddleboarding and kayaking on various creeks, rivers, and lakes around the Flathead Valley. And then we also do motorized water sports, which you're a huge uh, fan of and mm -hmm. really shred. Uh, we do four days out at Echo Lake and Big Fork. And then we do a couple skills days on Whitefish Lake, really honing in on 
water skiing, wakeboarding, wake surfing. Um, but those days at Echo Lake are more family-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also offer pontoon boat rides, paddle sports, tubing, which is a fan favorite, um, and just make days, lake days more possible for folks. Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot to unpack there. But um, when you were talking about, you know, making things adaptive, it, it triggered a couple of things for me. I remember shredding, uh, and I think I was just out there by myself one day, but I saw your team skiing with somebody who was blind mm-hmm. and big vest that says blind skier on it. And I was blown away. I was Ooh. like, what? Yes. <laughs> Dude, savage. You, yeah. guys, you guys are savage. Well, I mean, it, it takes a lot of trust, right? We, yeah. just like all of our lessons, there is a, a we don't rush through the getting to know you phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially with, uh, lessons, uh, to support folks with visual impairments or uh, folks who are blind, um, there is a lot more trust building in those lessons. I can't even And even imagine. before we hit the snow, um, those lessons typically have a guide, um, just a little kind of going down a rabbit hole. They have a guide, and that guide is in charge of giving just physical directions. And then they have an instructor, which is a different voice, like a, that – actually teaches the skiing or riding so that the individual can differentiate and they each so when they're actually moving on snow the guide is the one giving directions they come to they give instructions to come to a stop and then the coach steps in um, the instructor steps in and actually gives them the the maybe the little changes that they want to see in their stance or in their posture in their edging um, they do the coaching, and then once they start moving again, the guide takes over and is only giving um, instruction on where to move and how to make turns and when to stop and what to avoid and, and all of that. But trust, regardless of if you have a visual impairment or not, you know, trust is, is so important when you're in a new, potentially in a new environment or a cold environment or a scary environment. Um, mm-hmm. Trust is as the foundation so but yeah crazy absolutely wild super cool and then when we're talking about adaptive i know a few people um have reached out to me uh in the past because i post about stuff on Mm -hmm. uh, social that i'm out shredding with dream this adaptive sports program and yeah people are like what are you doing there yeah especially when i'm like hucking it off the back Mm -hmm. edge or you know we're surfing on the boat and i'm tearing it up out there um, and for me, with you know my PTSD rating, uh, trust issues, social anxiety, and again, a lot of people go, "Oh, you know, you're a salesman." Social anxiety, yeah, that's my job. Mm-hmm. People go, "You're an extrovert." I'm actually an introvert, right? These are all yeah, skills that I've had to learn to Absolutely. run my business. Yep. But what Dream adapted for me was literally communi- uh, community, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So now I know that I've got a group of people because when you're a shredder, it whether they're you know brand new beginner, just getting up for the first time, facing the anxiety of getting up on a sit ski or a regular ski. When you're a shredder and you see someone shredding, there's a likeness within you that's Absolutely. just like yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm with a group of like-minded shredders, no matter their skill level. Mm-hmm. And at, for me, where I go, a like-minded group of veterans. And so then I had this group where of trustworthy people that I could take my kids to on family day mm-hmm. that I could go to. And, yeah, maybe I didn't need adaptive help with equipment or any of that. But especially as a new dude in this community, vet, trust issues, new family, 
we needed adaptive community and that's what you guys gave us. Absolutely. And, you know, taking it another step farther now that you've been part of our program for five years, we also look for folks to mentor, you know, new folks coming through our program. So, you know, by all means, people can graduate from DREAM and maybe plug in only when they feel necessary. Um, but also, it is a community, and, you know, I've seen veterans and other participants of ours come up through the ranks of our program, gain the skills, gain the confidence, right? It's so much bigger than the sports we're providing. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's what it is, is a sense of community, helping folks build confidence, gain independence, make friendships, build those lasting relationships through outdoor recreation activities. But I've seen folks start with us as an, a participant um, and then shift into a mentor role or into an instructor role. And I think especially with the veterans programs is keep coming back. Even yeah. if you feel like now you do have your sense of community outside of DREAM and, and maybe we were just the catalyst, you know, we want folks to keep coming back but bring someone. Yeah. Spread the mission but still be part of it. It doesn't mean that you can't engage with us, you know, for a lifetime. But we hope that we're also able to, you know, build an inclusive community where you always don't have to come to dream in order to have access and feel safe and supported. So I know we're going to chat about that, but, um, you know, we're, we're hoping and in, in the community has stepped up to become more inclusive, not just in dream, but that we can impact, you know, our whole community with that mindset. Yeah. I may actually start like a little dream Facebook group for veterans, um, and, put every one of the vets I know in my Facebook in there that's local and just start trying to push them to that because, yeah, it would be cool to see the veteran side of what you guys do grow. Absolutely, and we're ready. You know, we're, we're lucky to receive grant funding. Um, we specifically fundraise and create community partnerships around it, so um, we'd be honored to see that grow, and, and we're ready to support it. Um, again, our, our hope is to keep it no-cost for, for veterans uh, for the foreseeable future. So all things um, all things are covered, instructors, like lift tickets or trail passes, um, any type of equipment, whether it be standard or adaptive. Um, food. Food, yep, we provide some. Also for veterans listening from, we try to stick to supporting Montana-based veterans, but we do have small travel stipends allowed that might help offset a little bit of gas or a hotel room. Um, those are those are a little tougher to come by that travel um, funding, but we do try to help break down that barrier as well. And that kind of leads to a broader um, topic of you know we break down many barriers to participation at Dream and outdoor recreation, and one of them are, is financial. So we do charge a small subsidized rate for each of our lessons, not for veterans, but for other folks with disabilities. But we fundraise to provide financial aid scholarships. So even if folks, um, you know, find us and see that we charge maybe for a ski lesson, um, that's pay if you can, but not necessary. So there's also um, opportunity for financial aid scholarships uh, because we don't want financial reasons to be the barrier uh, right. for you to participate. Which is how I found you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That could be a, a huge deterrent. You know, the outdoor recreation ranges in, you like skiing is probably one of the most expensive sports. Especially here. Especially here. Um, but, you know, some of the other sports that we do are, are hopefully sports that folks can engage with us, you know, at low cost or for free and then be able to um, access, you know, outside of our programs as well.
And now, a quick word from today's sponsor, Cryo Kalispell. This one goes out to all my veterans with sore joints and blown out discs, my athletes with sore muscles, heck, even my moms with sore low backs from carrying kids all day. Really, anyone with overall muscle soreness, joint pain, and body aches. If you're looking to speed up your recovery time, soothe those muscles, and get back to a pain-free life, man, today is your lucky day because cryotherapy is the perfect solution. Cryocalispell's cutting-edge cryosana effectively speeds up recovery times and repairs damaged muscle tissue. Guys, let me tell you, I am a big, big fan and personally use this treatment, especially after heavy lifts. So if you go in and mention that you got this deal from the Healthy Wealthy People podcast, you are going to get a three-session pack for only $99. So go book now at cryocalispell.com, and let's get back to the show. We know that Dream, obviously, is the one um, conducting all of this adaptive sports education, but what fascinates me maybe even more than that is what you guys are doing in the community, in the Valley, how you're working with uh, local and national governments and national parks to Mm -hmm. make things more accessible because you guys could teach this stuff all day and get people, you know, the confidence and the gear to go start ripping on their own. But then I just learned much like, you know, a business without a wheelchair ramp, there may be recreational areas you know, uh, people with adaptive equipment just can't access. So how, you guys are actually involved in development. Yes, We are, yeah. So one of the things over the last couple of years, you know, assessing what Dream was currently up to and what we could maybe do better or, or have a bigger impact was uh, with accessibility projects. So we're kind of looking at our community connection in a holistic um, way. You know, we are providing programs seven days a week, um, to help folks come to us and have that access, whether it's with our adaptive equipment or adaptive instruction. But we want it to go further than that. Um, We want folks to be able to engage in outdoor recreation outside of our program days. You know, we don't want people to always have to schedule something with DREAM to be able to enjoy the natural playground that surrounds us. So one of the other facets that we're really focused on are access projects kind of getting back to our roots Mm -hmm. in the 80s of, you know, looking at spaces and telling folks how, with minor tweaks, how they could kind of use, there's this term called universal design. And it's essentially, you know, universal design is good design. So it's looking at spaces, it's looking at products, it's looking at services in a way that says, let's build this, let's create this environment so that the greatest amount of people with different, um, you know, with different needs or, or, or different, um, you know, size, you know, age, um, you know, is it a family with a stroller? Is it a wheel disabilities, abilities, you know, let's build these spaces. Let's build our community with a universal mindset of, um, building it so that the greatest number of users can have a successful and positive experience. So we're working with um, many different nonprofits, government entities in our community to look at outdoor recreation um, with that universal mindset um, so that, again, folks don't have to plug into Dream Always to um, access the, the outdoors. So I'll give you an example. Um, we're working with Flathead Rivers Alliance. Um, Glacier National Park and the Forest Service, we're looking at the three forks of the Flathead River 
And we're looking at accessibility of the put-ins and takeouts and campsites so that um, we can then create digital and print materials so that folks um, can, can know what sites are accessible, you know, primarily for folks with maybe mobility challenges, mobility disabilities, but again, for families, right? If you're a family and you have to all kinds of strollers and, and things that, that also benefits them, or if mm -hmm. you're part of the aging population and you've always th floated the three forks of the flathead, but maybe it's getting a little bit more difficult to do that, um, you know, our hope is to um, do this big, we, we started this year, we assessed all the put-ins and takeouts, and now we're dialing it into phase two, which is actually doing the work, um, including, you know, the media and the information sharing of um, getting it, the information out there to folks. So it takes a collaboration with another nonprofit, you know, the National Park Service and the Forest Service. Um, we worked, we spent a week with Glacier National Park looking at hiking trails in, in Glacier. Many folks with mobility disabilities, if they're in a wheelchair, are often thought of as, oh, here, we'll, we'll bump out this half-mile paved pathway or, you know, the Mile Trail of the Cedars, which is beautiful, um, but it, it's not enough. People want to get into that middle country. They want to, let's say, go up to Avalanche Lake. Yeah. And how do they do that? Well, it's a lot of it's education. You know, a mobility device could look like an adaptive mountain bike as long as it's used properly. That is their wheelchair. When a wheelchair, when a traditional wheelchair can't go off of, you know, a paved path, they can, you know, by nature of the definition of a wheelchair, they can actually hop on a three-wheeled bike, a hiking, a mobility device. We're not calling it a bike. We're calling it a mobility right. device because that's they're what it is. biking. And they're going at the pace in which other hikers are going, and they're able to get up to Avalanche Lake and experience that kind of middle country zone. Well, it, that takes a lot of educating. A lot. And some trail work, potentially. And some renaming equipment. And some renaming <laughs> equipment and some <laughs> signage and some online signage. But those are the types of projects that we're really working hard on in the community because folks can, can go there, you know, without dream. And we want more spaces and, and more folks to just be educated. Everyone has a right to the, the outdoors. Everyone. Yeah, man, that's that's a wild part to me is that you guys are literally in the trenches of the development of rural and, you know, um, outdoor areas uh, so that more people can get there. But you're right. It's it, it, in some form um, an exclusive process mm -hmm. where, you know, it's going to be a, you know, person who is standing straight up and down, who is, you know, thin and slender, that's going to be walking down this narrow little path, mm -hmm. um, you know, that only this size vehicle is going to be coming in and the doors are going to open this way instead of off mm -hmm. of a van so that a wheelchair can come out on a ramp. Um, yeah, you're right. It's developed not through the through like really one perspective instead of through maybe 15, 20 different perspectives and different parts of equipment and things Absolutely. that are going to need to be brought through doors. So yeah, that's your guys' work is much, much deeper than helping people ski or snowboard. Absolutely. We're just trying to, you know, create a community where everyone looks through um, from a lens of, you know, kind of that universal design. We want all community members to part actively participate and be represented. There's this, um, there's this diagram called, uh, there's this thing called the inaccessibility cycle, and it's, you know, there's a good visual diagram of it. And it's essentially showing how 
a lot of ways why communities aren't accessible is because of this, this vicious cycle. So let's say a business doesn't have a wheelchair ramp, you know, let's say it's, you know, or an outdoor space. Well, people can't get there. They're not able to participate, so they're not visible. So people aren't seeing them. So in a lot of ways, people aren't seeing folks with disabilities in their community because of a barrier, right? There's Whether it's a physical barrier, a perceived barrier, financial barrier, people aren't seeing those folks in their community. When they're not visible, they're not, they're, their perspective isn't taken into account, right? So they're not seen, they're not heard, they're not represented. So then they don't have a seat at the table to, to give that perspective, to say this needs to change or let's build this new building with universal design or when that new trail goes in, hey, if, if you remove that big boulder, that's opposite a tree, I can actually fit my three-wheeled bike through here. Or if you make the portage on an accessible portage on at your trailhead, I'll actually go there. You know, so when people are included, when they have access, they can be included in those conversations. But if they're not, no one thinks of them. Out of sight, out they're of mind. They're out of sight, out of mind. So really, you know, as part of these projects, um, the community is rising up. We're having people now come to us as they see us more involved in these access projects and they're saying hey this i heard this playground's going in do you have any information on how we can build you know essentially a universally designed playground for all kids to be able to play on this playground and lo and behold we do you know we Mm -hmm. do or if we don't we take the time to educate ourselves on that and so that we can be a voice or a connector in the community to increase inclusivity and access so you know, our goal is to break down that inaccessibility cycle, specifically in outdoor recreation spaces. Yeah, you get, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper, <laughs> the layers of work that you guys are doing and, and have to do and should be being done. Um, and the way I think about it is dream is really the squeaky wheel mm-hmm. for that community here. Absolutely. Right? And we draw in, you know, I am a person that does not have a disability. I understand that that could change at any point. But we also are really, you know, focused on if, if there's a meeting that I'm attending, attending as the executive director of DREAM, you better believe I'm going out and finding a community member with a disability to come with me so that they can be the actual voice um, for that process or they can give their perspective yeah. um, as well. So we are where um, we're trying to find all the meetings and all the things um, to, to have a seat at the table. Good. Um, And so that brings us into the why, right? Why is uh, DREAM, why is adaptive sports um, important? And, you know, we've been talking about it for a minute, but DREAM is important because, like I just said, DREAM is a squeaky wheel for that community. Um, And why is adaptive sports important? Important is because it's about inclusivity, right? Mm -hmm. It's about either A, I never really had the chance to learn this, um, and I've had this disability my whole life. Uh, now, dream is a place where I can go. Or, I, like you said, that could change for you tomorrow. I was walking down the street, and mm-hmm. someone fell asleep at the wheel and ran off onto the sidewalk and hit me. Mm-hmm. And now my life's never the same. I have to learn how to do, like, I blew my L5S1 mm-hmm. two years ago now, uh, and I did it on the bunny hill with my daughter and <laughs> no joke uh the doc said you probably did a lot of damage over a lot of years and one little twist you know blew it um but the pain was unbelievable and again it was an invisible injury you can't see that disc um 
and I was just starting to teach my daughter snowboarding and all of a sudden I couldn't and I couldn't go snowboarding that year. And then the doctor basically told me, yeah, man, with an injury like this, unless we're going to do surgery, you might want to forget about snowboarding. Mm. You might want to think about maybe skiing because of being straightforward. Right. Um, but he's like, you could probably take this off the table. And I felt a deep sense of like loss Absolutely. for a year, year mm -hmm. and a half. Um, but I guess if that ever did become a permanent problem, again, I could just There's come. There's like dream with different different ways to approach it and, and help you hopefully still get that joy and, you know, physical benefits, mental health benefits from, from recreating outside. And, yeah, I think the why is, again, everyone deserves to have access to the natural spaces that surround us and all the benefits. Mm -hmm. Again, learning a new sport is awesome. That, that skill development, you know, but what you're really learning through skill development or pushing your limits is much greater. Um, and again, it's, it's that sense of community that it connects you to, whether it's that solace of going out on your own might be important on a given day. Yeah. Um, and another day you might want to connect with other community members to go on an adventure and, um, again, reap all the benefits that, that come from it. So the why is, you know, it's a basic right that we all should have and we all should have access to, whether it's a front country city park or it's, you know, a hiking trail deep into the woods and glacier. Um, you know, we're, we're far, firm believers in, in helping folks have access to, to all that comes from it. And I like what you said earlier, too, about like a, a bigger purpose for DREAM is to give the education and even if need be, the equipment to somebody so that they can, you know, recreate on their own. They know where to go. They mm -hmm. have the equipment. They know the skills because as a personal trainer, that was the same thing, right? Like a good personal trainer, I don't want you to only go to the gym on our two training sessions a week, and I don't want you to need me to maintain a healthy right. lifestyle mm -hmm. of exercise. Like I want to teach you the skills that you can now go to the gym and eat healthy and enjoy a healthy lifestyle without me because if you can't do it without me, I'm not really doing my job. Right, building that confidence. So kind of the third part of our holistic approach at DREAM so we run our programs. People can come and get, you know, one-stop shop for everything they need to recreate with our dream programs. And then we're working on making spaces in our community more um, inclusive-minded. So, again, working with Gateway to Glacier trails on building per and Flathead Area Mountain Bikers on, on building purpose-built trails that are more universally designed for all types of bikes. Um, but but the other thing that we help is when an athlete comes through our program and we fit them with a certain, this is more equipment-based, but we fit them with a certain piece of equipment. They've tried it out. We've dialed it in for them. Okay, Dream owns that equipment, and, and we are not at the point where we can loan out that equipment very often because it's needed. What we then do is pair that athlete with other foundations and granting organizations to help put together funding for them to go out and purchase their own piece of adaptive equipment. We help them fill out grant applications. We write letters of support. Um, uh, an adaptive mountain bike costs anywhere between $12,000 and $20,000. Oh, and, wow. you know, a lot of, you know, no one can, who can afford that, but, you know, folks with disabilities, it's, you know, it's statistics that they are from, uh, often from lower socioeconomic status because um, they have other, 
medical needs and things, or maybe they can't work as as much. Potentially, mm. potentially, there are mm. also um, many folks with disabilities that fully engage in work and, and yeah. other things. So, I, but it, it's you know it is a barrier for anyone to be able to drop twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's a car. Um, on an adaptive mountain bike so that they can just get out and recreate. So, again, that kind of third piece that we provide is once we've gotten to know the the athlete and what their goals are, let's get a bike in your garage so you can go ride with your kiddos, go ride with your family or friends um, to those trails that have been thoughtfully created um, for everyone. So we're really trying to put all the pieces together, at yeah. least in this community, uh, so that it can be as inclusive as possible. Man, you guys are killing it. We're trying. <laughs> there, uh, yeah, it's important. It's meaningful work. Um, again, we all live in the Flathead Valley, or many of us, because of the ease of access uh, to the great outdoors. It right. surrounds us. The playground is outside our doorstep, but for many folks, one in four adults um, will have a disability in their life. One in four adults right now in the United States have some type of disability. Wow. I did not realize mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, of that, it could be any type of disability, one in four, but right. the highest percentage of, of those that have a disability is a, a disability that impacts their mobility. Wow. So That's huge. Yeah, it's a, a big segment of our population. There's a, We Are the 15, a marketing campaign that came out around the time of the London Paralympics. Maybe we could link that too. It's a really okay. neat um, short video clip that talks about um, that 15% of the world population has a disability and um, they're people just, just like everyone else with their own hopes, needs, goals, worries. Um, so it's just a, a really neat educational piece called We Are the 15. Yeah, we will definitely link that. And that kind of brings me into the second part of the why. Uh, and the second part of the why is it important is because like we talked about out of sight, out of mind, right? And so for the most part, we end up not seeing the uh, disabled community mm-hmm. for a long time. And then that just breeds more uneducation, more lack of education, mm-hmm. more ignorance. And so then we possibly do see somebody out and about that has a disability. Maybe we see somebody on a ski slope that's in a sit ski. Um, we see posts on Facebook of, you know, um, somebody in the Paralympics, you know, running, um, you know, the hundred meter dash and they don't have any legs and they say, what's your excuse on the post? Um, and just kind of the, the bubble around the disabled community and trying to lay out some education on like, these are people just like you. These are not different people. Mm-hmm. These are people who, yeah, have had something physically happen to them or cognitively happen to them um, or born with some again, quote unquote, disability. Mm -hmm. Um, But now there has become this culture around it. Mm -hmm. And so let's do what we can here to kind of break that culture. There's a term that you use that I had never heard called ableism. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to let you define what that is and then just kind of talk about, you know, the other part of what Dream's doing on trying to to bring this into more of a community standpoint where they're not different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, yeah, first and foremost, the the disabled community uses the D word proudly. They are disabled. That is a part of them, but it does not define them. So just like you have dark hair and brown eyes, you know, part of 
what makes you up is you're a disabled vet. You, yeah. you know, but that is one facet of, that makes you John and amazing and, you know, high energy and, you know, it makes you a hard worker, but those are just pieces of, you know, who you are. And so chapters in the story. Uh, exactly. So a person's disability should not define them and it. That should not be what you see when you look and get to know someone. It shouldn't be the the glaring thing. So, um, yeah, the the D word is um, is an OK thing to use. And and I tell people as part of our um, we, we talk a lot about disability etiquette and disability awareness at Dream, especially in our volunteer training. Um, because we have many people that come to us that don't have any experience, and that's okay. Um, General we're, ignorance. We're we're just part of part of our process is to educate and and stay in aligned with what the disabled population, um, you know, is talking about, and staying up on current events and trying to be an ally um, for for folks with disabilities. So um, we do a lot of education and awareness. Um, so ableism is is definitely something that is being talked about a lot. Um, and it's the discrimination uh, of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. Um, so kind of like you said, that that little poster, you know, like what's your excuse? Uh, you know, if, right. if you're an able-bodied person, you know, that kind of places you in a superior position, you know, if this person with two prosthetic legs can do it. Right. You know. Oh, you with two legs. What's your excuse? That puts you in the Lording. superior position where, mm -hmm. um, you know, at its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing, you know, that their disability is something that's wrong with them um, and defines them by their disability. Right. It puts that front and center. Like we said, it's just a part of who they are, a small, a small part of who, who they are. Um, it's it's similar to like racism and sexism. Um, it classifies an entire group of people as less than. So, you know, as a less voice, able. less able or just less of a human. Right. We're all humans with our hopes and dreams, like I said, and goals. And um, the fact that someone has a disability, you know, shouldn't shouldn't label them as less than or they shouldn't be pitied or compared yourself. It shouldn't be a comparison of, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. No, right. we're each different. You know, maybe I can't, you know, there's so many reasons why someone can or can't or doesn't want to do something. It doesn't mm -hmm. have anything to do with someone having a disability, right. but it breeds, like you said, it breeds stereotypes in a community. And I think the more that we can talk about this, you know, combating ableism and just identifying what it is so that people can go through their lives with that in the, you know, in the forefront of their mind of, of, you know, people with disabilities are humans too, and they are not less than. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it, it comes with uh, a scoop of, you know, gratitude of, like Julie said, you know, tomorrow, one of us might be in that same boat. We don't know what life has in store for us and what physical disabilities might lay on the other side. But for me, it's immediately looking at somebody with pity, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't imagine. Can't imagine thing, my life like that. What happened yeah. mm -hmm. instead of just being like, yeah, what's up, Steve? Mm -hmm. It's Steve. Right. And people like I are weirded out by me because I don't talk to babies like babies. I talk to babies like <laughs> I'm talking to you right now. I'm like, yo, what's up, it. dude? 
And like Kelly's family, everyone always like looks at me all weird. But again, whether yeah. it's somebody with a physical disability Absolutely. or a baby or like <laughs> there's this kid that I used to hang out with uh, in a friend group and he had Down syndrome and we'd just be like, yo, what's up, Chuck? Right. He was like one of the boys. And Absolutely. so that's the thing for me is immediately seeing somebody. But also on the other side, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I am massively grateful mm -hmm. that I have the abilities that I have. And I kissed the possibility of not having the same abilities that I have mm -hmm. went through PT, got it back. But like these people are just going through life, right? There's mm -hmm. people without disabilities that just don't want to go skiing mm -hmm. like my wife, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't make somebody with a disability who wants to go skiing a superhero, mm -hmm. right? He Absolutely. just wants to go shred. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I was listening to this one Ted talk and, and the woman's name, um, uh, escapes me right now, but, um, it, she was essentially doing a talk on, um, you know, having desensationalizing like a disability. And she got voted when she was a child for like, yeah, like most sensational or like some kind of award in her school. And her uh, parent, it was just because she had a disability. Yep. Her parents, you know, stood up and said, why is she getting this award? Like, did she, was she the highest ranked in her class? Or, you know, did she, highest you test know, scores. yeah, Best or did behavior. she, you know, find a cure for something, you know, like, <laughs> right. tell me why she's receiving this award and, and if there's legit reasons, but, you know, come to find out the only reason she was getting the award was because she had a disability and she was seen special. as overcome, yeah, special or over, you know, um, you know, just being in school as a wheelchair user was, you know, making her special. And so she got an award. So, she, you know, she's just like, we need to stop sensationalizing our day-to-day -day activities. Like you said, it's skiing, you know. Folks um, who Waking use said skis are just trying to go out and ski as you or I. And because they're in a, sitting in a lift line doesn't, you know, it, it's great to say what's up like you would someone else. But it doesn't mean to me that you need to make it this huge deal. They're just trying to ski with their their family and friends. I mean, the equipment is cool. You know, I would say talk about the equipment and learn and educate yourself. But you don't need to ask them what happened or give them a high five and say rock on when they're just yeah. And there's a ski trying to ski. Ask so them if they're find some good pal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make it, you know, just like you would talk. People with disabilities are, are people. So just see the person. If they huck off a cliff and eat it, you better go spray <laughs> some snow on them. Just like, you know, again, um, treat them as, as everyone else should be treated. But, yeah, I think um, if we could all kind of educate ourselves on what ableism is and how it shows up you know it could be you know picking a meeting location that's inaccessible it could be using someone's wheelchair as a footrest or you know putting your hand on it um you know it, it shows up in in little ways and in big ways and so it can just be a lot of you know mindfulness and as mm -hmm. um as we go through the our, our daily life just making sure that we're educated on different ways that it it can show up yeah, guys, just educate and then pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. Be be the change uh, that you want to see. Absolutely. So really that kind of brings us into how, right? How do I get involved with Dream? How do I get involved in adaptive sports? Um, if I want to donate, if I want to uh, donate my time, become a volunteer, start working with people, 
if I have a mental or cognitive disability like John, if I have a physical disability, um, if I used to ski or snowboard and I don't anymore, like, and we're going to talk about how everyone here who's listening at any level can get involved. Um, but what I want to start with is Dream is a nonprofit organization. Yes. It's one of the big things that I have passion for. We do a lot of nonprofit work uh, with Divinity Group. Um, because of Dream's nonprofit work, I was able to find snowboarding here. Um, and even my adopted parents, right, before they were my adopted parents, the reason I was able to travel um, and compete in martial arts when I was a kid is because they had a 501c3 nonprofit called the Dragon Brigade um, that provided assistance to kids like me. Um, who wanted to compete at the national level but couldn't afford travel and entry mm -hmm. fees and sparring equipment and all that stuff. Um, and so with Dream being nonprofit and me running a completely for-profit business, um, but really so I can help, mm -hmm. is there anything Dream right now is working on and trying to raise money for specifically that listeners might be able to help and assist with? We're always, um, you know, in need of growing our programs. This summer, we had to put folks on wait list. You know, our ski programs fill up real quick, and, and we do our best to never say no, but we might be have to temper how much people engage with us due to the demand in the community. So we're constantly raising funds to just increase our impact, meaning programs. Um, with that comes the need, you know, to hire more staff. You know, we're getting ready to move into our – um, first office and warehouse space um, in downtown Whitefish. Thank you. We've had a small office space many years ago, but nothing that we could store equipment and fit up uh, participants in. Um, we're in the planning phases of a, of a capital campaign um, to build our own center up at Whitefish Mountain Resort. Uh, so that's on the dock for the next Sweet. couple of years. We'll have an accessible facility off of some beginner terrain thanks to the, the support of the resort donating some land to us. Um, so we've Whoa. got big plans, but right now, you know, our needs are to continue to expand our programs. Um, okay. so, so general donations help us do that. It gives us the autonomy to potentially hire, you know, someone like a volunteer coordinator. You know, we have over 150 volunteers that engage with our programs, um, you know, uh, you know, build out our office space, um, Training for volunteers is pretty spendy. We we yeah. we hire in folks to help with training that are professionals in adaptive recreation if they don't exist here within our team. So um, just general donations right now go a long way. They all, you know, people worry about overhead. Our overhead is really low. Most of our staff is engaged in pro direct program support. Um, so any any donation that that folks give, whether it be um, you know, cash donations, business sponsorships, um, in-kind gifts, you know, of goods and services that we can either auction off or use for our programs. It all funnels directly to our programs and participants. Awesome. And guys, how much we took 20 grand for an adaptive bike? Like, right. Mm -hmm. We're talking about equipment that's going to change people's lives, but like 10 bucks out of your pocket could literally go towards again, a bike, a sit-up sit ski, uh, water equipment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you we guys provide scholarships. So 10, you know, we charge $10 for a paddle day for a participant. Now that's a highly subsidized rate of our cost, but $10 could essentially pay for a scholarship for one day of a paddle day. Um, so go. every dollar as a nonprofit, you know, we're 
Um, we're a sound financial organization, but it is kind of a hustle. There's so many wonderful nonprofits in the Flathead Valley that it's almost like a startup every year that yeah. we've got to stay in front of folks and and really make sure that our mission is seen as is really valuable in the community. So every, money goes where the eyes go. Every dollar every dollar helps and and goes to support our program growth. Yeah, and I mean I've seen it grow over the last five years. Guys, she's putting the money to good work, right? <laughs> like you've heard some of what they're doing. Like it's not like this money's going anywhere other than building stuff out, planning, buying equipment, hiring help, hiring instructors. Like she said, it they're scaling, um, and there's 25% of the population that needs her services. Mm-hmm. We, that's going to take a, a lot of cash. So let's do what we can to help there. I will link um, all of the stuff in uh, the show notes to send you over to their donation platform. Um, so whether you donate or if you can't donate, copy that link, post it on your social media, and get the attention out there because um, that's free. Absolutely. And, and other than financial contributions, volunteerism, as I mentioned, is so huge. We always need more program volunteers, especially. Um, again, 150 plus volunteers a year engage with us, and we always need more. It seems like always a scramble um, to, again, the more volunteers we have, the more lessons we can say yes to. Um, so we provide all training. Again, you don't have to um, have experience working with people with disabilities. You don't have to have experience teaching, let's say, skiing or snowboarding. You do have to have a good understanding. You have to be like an intermediate, let's call it an intermediate level skier or rider or Nordic skier. You have to know how to paddleboard or kayak. You have to have those basic skills so that you're not worried about yourself. You can focus on someone else but we'll teach you how to instruct. We'll teach you the progressions. We provide all of that training. Um, and, and like if you don't have a lift ticket, we provide you a lift ticket for the day you volunteer. So we try to make it as barrier-free for our volunteers as possible. Throwing in some perks as well. We, we, try, we know that you're doing it because you get so much out of it, but there are some perks to being involved with our volunteer team um, that you can learn more about. Uh, and... Yeah, it, it truly takes a village, so we, we try to support uh, our volunteers with their goals as well. Do you need volunteers who aren't just instructors? Like, let's say somebody that's listening wants to volunteer, but they're like my wife, who is very anti-anything, even a little bit adrenaline-based, but she loves people and she loves helping. Is there some kind of administration volunteers or anything like that that you need? Totally. We, you know, we engage with all types of folks who want to give of their time. That's kind of more of a one-on-one conversation leveraging, you know, like Kelly's skills um, and putting them to good work. You know, we have a, we put on fundraising events. We do community outreach. We have tables, information tables at all different types of events that we need volunteers to help us, you know, share our mission. Um, So we we have a a whole slew data entry, you know, things like that, a whole slew of opportunities for folks to engage as volunteers. Awesome. Um, And then for participants, right, Mm -hmm. people like me who maybe would be sitting at home going, yeah, I don't need or I don't qualify for adaptive sports or somebody who's like, I absolutely need it, but how do I get involved? How do I contact somebody? What does it look like from a participant standpoint? 
So our website's probably going to be the best place for anyone, whether they're a volunteer, a donor, a participant. We have clear tabs at the top that say participate, volunteer, you know, donate. Um, and as you work through our website, there's different, you know, tabs with information that help kind of lay the foundation of learning, you know, who we are and what opportunities there are to engage. But there's going to also be a phone number and some email addresses that you can find on our website. We pride ourselves on customer service. We'll meet you for coffee, whether you're a first-time volunteer or a first-time participant. If you're unsure, we'd love to just connect with you in person or over the phone. Um, so maybe start with our website, gather up some questions, figure out how you might want to engage. There are ways to just go do it, to sign up to volunteer, to sign up to participate through our website, but you're also more than welcome to just reach out. Um, we'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, guys, and I will link um, all of these things, the phone number, the email addresses, the website, all that stuff. Um, and for veterans, again, um, if you're here in the Flathead, um, go to our vet center. I know that the vet center there is connected with the Dream Team. Um, and then if you are outside of the Flathead Valley, I would assume that if you went to your vet center, if you had one, um, the whole point of the vet center is to get vets not only the mental health help that they need, but to do exactly what I talked about earlier, which is integrate them back into the community. And so there's always all kinds of vet-centric events planned out, coordinated with locations to make sure that they have their own space, all that, whether it's rafting, whether it's skiing and snowboarding, whether it's a hike, whether it's a photography class, a yoga class, whatever. Um, so the vet center will be helpful for getting in contact with an organization either like Dream or just other vet positive um, groups in your community. And then for anyone who is outside of, you know, the Flathead Valley state of Montana, not a vet, um, there is a website that I will also link in the show notes uh, called Move United. And I mean, from what Julie says, most uh, adaptive programs across the country are going to be involved there. So a map will pop up and you'll be able to find an adaptive uh, recreation place somewhere near you. Right. Their goal, I think, by in the next five years is to have an adaptive recreation program, you know, within, I think it's 50 or 90 miles of of any city in the United States. So awesome. it's just a network of similar providers like Dream, similar nonprofits. We all might be doing offering different sports depending on the geographic location. But Move United is essentially a resource for all of us. We're a member of their organization, have access to resources, but they also um, are, are a, a central place for folks who are interested in adaptive recreation to go. Awesome. More. Awesome. Awesome. Is there any last thoughts or anything that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, oh, good question. No, I mean, I think... The more folks that we have in our community that understand, you know, true inclusivity, the importance of access for all folks in our community to, to different resources, that universal design concept of building, you know, people hear ADA, oh, it's got to be ADA compliant. Well, it, it should just be universally designed so that all users can have a positive experience you know, ableism, educate yourself on um, the disabled community and things that they're up against, and just be a good steward of, of promoting inclusion and access. Uh, our community is on a great path. We're feeling very supported in that, um, in that way, and we just really look forward to um, 
to doing more in our community and, and thanks to folks like the Divinity Group and, and other organizations, um, we're really able, able to spread our mission. So thank you. Absolutely, dude. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being, you know, big, big beacon in our valley for this, um, for leading the charge because you're killing it. And thank you for coming out today and being on the show. This was so fun. I'd love to do it again sometime. First podcast ever. 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 Sweet. I know. Big nice. day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I will send you all the info. Make sure that you have a copy of the episode. And again, just thank you for sharing your time and knowledge with us. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Yep. See you guys. All right, y'all. We have reached the inevitable end of today's episode. But before we go our separate ways, I just want to take a quick minute to say fucking thank you. Thank you for investing your listening time with me when there are literally millions of other artists whose content you could be consuming. Your support and feedback mean more to me than you will ever realize, which is why I'm going to ask you for one favor before we wrap this thing up. Please, if you have found any value in the show at all, there are three things you can do to help us grow. One... Follow and or subscribe so you never miss another episode. Two, rate the show so other listeners can see just how goddamn good our content is. And three, take a screenshot of this episode, share it with your followers, and tag me at John Divine Inc. so that they have the same opportunities and access to information that you do. Now, get out there and enjoy the pursuit of the healthiest, wealthiest, most authentic version of yourself, and I'll see you right back here in two weeks for another episode of the Healthy Wealthy People Podcast. Peace!